0: What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, aka KD. And today, I mean, honestly, this man needs no introduction. In fact, I'm pretty sure I heard him a while back say, like, you can only introduce yourself because no one else will get it quite right. But I'm going to do it my best here because I have not in my entire career met somebody who is more energetic. More passionate, has more love and energy for this industry, but also just the scientific mind than Jocko from Winning by Design. He is someone who I have looked up to. Who have you as a friend, who have you as a very, very strong mentor, because he is one of the best SaaS business minds in the entire industry and leads Wayne by Design, which is the best consulting company in the world when it comes to SaaS, right? Now, he has been sharing his ideas, his concepts, his blueprints for the scientific method of selling for years. In fact, the number one recommended set of books I tell every sales leader is the Wayne by Design Blueprints for Sales Development. I count executives, SaaS metrics, scaling, like they have put so much phenomenal content out there. And once I'm on stage, I said, honestly, I feel that like these are a competitive advantage and I almost feel bad telling people about them because they're so, so good. Right. And so Jocko has cracked the code on the true science of not just sales, but scaling companies for massive success. And so we're gonna cover as much as we possibly can on this episode today. Jocko, I'm incredibly grateful to have you and just grateful for who you are. Welcome to the show.
1: Well, you know, what do I do after that, Katie? Just just smile. Just smile and Ah, That's all. Okay, okay, okay. Let's oh, bring it back down oh, to
0: normal level, right? Oh, oh, See, I don't know if we can after that. That's one of my jams right there. So we'll we'll have to go back to that one to end it. So Jago, my man, this is gonna be fun because you know we've had many of conversations privately. We've never actually done one publicly. And so we're gonna dive into some of this here. And I want to get right into kind of just the initial concept of this bow tie right like when you talk about the sales bow tie because most times in sales everyone talks funnels you introduced this concept of the the bow tie in sales and in SaaS. what does that mean and why does it completely trounce the funnel
1: yes well thank you all for listening to us to kd and i right here as we are jamming um you know look i When when you look at the funnel, you know, it has you know, what the funnel does, it brings things in from the top to the bottom, right? And my wife once said to me is like, you know, like when you put people in a funnel and you put quotas on it so people can hunt them down, you put like bogies on their head being called customers, like before you know it, it is no wonder that customers run away with you if you think of people like that. And so One of the first things I wanted to do is, is no longer have that funnel perspective, that warmongering, you know, terminology where we're talking about targets and we're talking about minefield analysis and stuff like that. I feel like, um, what we, what we think, the way we think, the way we speak, the way we write things down is ultimately who we become. And therefore we should be very, very cautious about using too many analogies that, 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 that don't apply. Mm -hmm. before i even start i'll give an example what is you know when we think about you know like like sales what other you know when we draw analogies to that what where do we pull our analogies from kevin do you know or or, or, you know what are the world's other worlds that we pull our analogies from
0: you know so there's definitely war analogies there's a lot of sports analogies right like you know hitting you know hunting. So I guess hunters. Like, I don't know what category that falls into, but like, you know, it's a, almost like a prime, a lot of primal language.
1: I feel That's like. right. And so you kind of like have three tiers of going bad, right? First not not going bad, but three tiers of, of taking a direction. Let, think about the first the first tier that we're using is sports analogy hitting a ball at a, the park you know, like home plate, uh, first base and stuff like that, right? And which is, you know, like second tier that we go to is war terminology, minefield analysis, bomb dropping uh, you know, like uh, killing it on a call. And then the third one is very violent, uh, uh, rape I, w- I felt raped, I was held over for a barrel right so those are like three tiers of like words and how you go back and often you can determine that now i can say we can do better than that i can say like hey what what are the better ways of describing it now when you look at these analogies they actually don't really apply you know third one for sure now but the, the 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 first two when often when we look at sports in sports and having been a former athlete in sports you primarily you know perform 10% of the time, and you practice 90% of the time, and I'm being kind on the 90%, it could easily mm-hmm. be 99% of the time, right? you see a lot of practice and very little gamesmanship, uh, games. If you see in, obviously in war, uh, I would love to see that it is like hardly any application, but it's all practice, it's all over mm-hmm. the top, perfection, 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 drill, drill, drill. And so, although there is relevance to that, you know, like if you want to live in a world like that, and if you would treat sales like that, then we also have to do all the training and all the, and so on and so forth. But we don't live in a world like that. We live in a world where it's almost always game, game, game with a very little amount of practice. I believe, that we, in marketing, sales, and customer success, if I look at sales, I believe that we are recreating a new category for the future. A category where you don't need university-level degrees, where you don't need four years sitting in school hammering. It's evidence, I'm not against it. I'm saying in our current world, that will not be the best. Maybe mm-hmm. we can create in sales a new world with a new terminology and a new way of thinking that will be the gold standard for future generations to come. That is what I like to believe. And obviously, you and I have had many conversations about what form and shape that would take place. The funnel that we speak about is one of those old representations, those old signals where, you know, like, it's like, yeah, to me, it's like a, a dog whistle on something. Like, it's like, it, you know, like, immediately when I see it, I go like, okay, here we go again. And the out, the outcome of that, primarily, a maniacal focus on closing deals. That's the outcome mm-hmm. of a funnel. Like, maniacal focus on closing deals. And I felt... We were, we've moved on from that. It was great. It has helped us. It's time to move on. Mm-hmm. And so, then talk to us then how it turned into that bow tie, right? So,
0: the first half of the bow tie kind of can look like a funnel on its side. But then, what you've talked about is that how it expands on the second side. That's what makes it the, the bow tie. And to your earlier point, right? Funnel is so much about getting people out. Where what I love about the concept of the bow tie is also what are you getting? out of the people you've gotten in right how is that kind of growing so what's the second half of that bow tie
1: yeah and so i'll put it up right here right beside me and so what you'll see the key to understanding is that the uh, that the deal does not close does is not won by the time that a client commits to it now what we refer to that middle point of a bow tie the end of the first part of the journey is a mutual commitment of both the customer and the seller, both of them agreeing to move forward. Now, historically, you know, companies would make a profit on an upfront one-year payment or upfront three, five-year payment with, with annual support contracts following. And so they would make all the profit. Today, that as we all know is no longer the case. With recurring revenue, it takes on average, if you look at the top 40 SaaS companies, it takes on average 21 months for them to make a profit out of a deal. That means we need a renewal of the deal. Whether you're on an annual contract or a monthly contract, you are going to need a renewal. Mm -hmm. And that brings up an idea and a a, a thought that, that, you know, like smarter people and, I ever was came up with and that is a principle that's the idea of first principles mm-hmm. first principles I like it and I'll you know like in this case I use a sports analogy with the with my fans the the Golden State Warriors knowing uh, what kind of basketball fan you are Katie and so but the Golden State Warriors changed the game the moment in time they moved from the two-point game perspective where the tallest players that are guarding the basket in generally win the most physical tall players and they said hey we're going to move that perimeter out to a three-point shot simply why because the math math behind the three-point line started to favor the mathematics of the two-point line and as a result all you know everybody in the league had to change the gameplay till today that we even see last night game was once again lost on a three-point shot Mm -hmm. the first principles of the game changed now we see this in all around us and so too do we see this in our business the first principles Kevin of our business have changed no longer is they who win the most deals win. No, that is no longer growth. It is w- those who establish recurring revenue. That's mm-hmm. where growth comes from, recurring revenue, recurring revenue. And the simple principle of recurring revenue is you need to deliver recurring impact. If you don't deliver what your customer want, you know what, you're not gonna get that revenue. So recurring revenue is the result of recurring impact. The right side of the bow tie is all about delivering impact to your customer.
0: And so let's talk about what needs to change on the sales side to actually not only deliver that recurring impact, but like kind of set the stage for that because so many sales people are, it's like, okay, hey, I won, I won, here you go, right? And they they pass it off and just move to the next one. And like, they're not getting that mutual commitment. They're not always getting the actual goals those people are looking for. So how does sales need to change a bit to actually set up for this recurring impact?
1: Now, what you need to know, if 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 i don't if i don't give you a, uh, a solution that delivers you recurring impact what's gonna happen kevin
0: gonna uh, gonna leave gonna churn going to to go somewhere else
1: you're gonna go somewhere else so well, we want to make sure we want to make sure that the impact uh, is delivered now what does that mean for the sales function what do i need to do there
0: so i guess one you need to know what impact means to the customer which Look, it's not that hard, right? Missed, right? Like, what is the impact they're looking for? Uh, and then sell accordingly.
1: Okay. And then so, so what, what the sales professional need to do is really need to figure out what is the impact and does that match up to what we do? Because if it doesn't, it's going to churn. Now, mm-hmm. uh, if there, there are occasions that clients start to learn what the different kind of impact is, but that's as simple as this. What is the impact? Now, the client may know it already or may not know it. And that is the difference because also between consultative selling and provocative selling. Consultative selling, the client is already knowing what they want. They've already are educated and you help them think it through. You ask a few questions. Provocative means that, Hey, I actually already know the situation they're in, but they don't know it yet. Right. You know, like, and so what you'll see is that one is consultative, one is provocative. And, you know, like often we are taught that these techniques are, you know, like either you are a consultative salesperson or a provocative salesperson, truth be told, over the years, I find that you, 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 in a regular conversation, you hop between them, like in a matter of minutes, you know, like you ask a few questions and then you provoke, you know, like you may even pitch towards, you know, three minutes later and be a real, you know, like a pitch on a specific feature. That's all perfectly fine. It, it's just mm-hmm. in context of what's happening. There is no like a one size fit all.
0: And i think that's one of the things that i've loved about kind of your content and what you put out there is in a lot of places it's very um it's like methodology agnostic it's like look these are uh, the principles these are the concepts if you want to apply it in this way if you want to apply it this way but they're kind of almost universal in a lot of different ways right whereas a lot of companies get stuck i'm a challenger we do medic we do med pic, we do we do like all these different things, but then they don't realize how they can be applied. That only represents a very small stage of the sales process, right? Because you all have kind of rolled out this idea of spiced, right, as a as a term, and but that it overlays all the different kind of you know qualification or funnel metrics we've had in the past. So, kind of, could you walk us through spiced, but also how it works with things, doesn't kick things out?
1: So yeah, you know, like and you help me out here thinking pick one of the methodologies, right? So um, I'm having an, a sales development rep and SDR qualify deal. Which methodology am I using? Pick one of them. Band. Band. Okay. Then I'm gonna hand it off to a sales professional. What is methodology are they using? They're probably using medic. Medic, okay. Now does band and medic do they map to each other? They do not. They do not, okay. Now, in my medic, I'm gonna, I'm in this case, I'm gonna ask clients a few questions. I'm using a question-based sales technique. Which technique am I using? Challenger. Challenger, or I can use spin, or I can use Mm -hmm. any one of them, right? And so I'm using, so now what I have, I talked about, hey, I have consultative technique, I have a provocative sales technique called challenger, I have medic, and I have band, okay? So I have already four different methodologies. All these acronym letters don't match up, map up to each other. And so mm-hmm. we would say is like, well, how would you map those? things? If, if we don't even map these things together, how in the world is a customer going to feel? And oh, by the way, is any one of these talking specifically about impact?
0: No, I think they <laughs> supposedly, right, supposedly the I in Medic um, is there, but it's not. It's not most of them. It's one little letter in the whole process, and it's like the last letter.
1: That's right. And I know also what you'll see in many cases it, you know, they refer primarily to the impact as a form of a value proposal, right? That they want to say is like, hey, what is the value I'm selling? They use it in order to price against, not in order to, to you know, like, and so what we'll see is now that doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make medic at all wrong. No, Matic is a great specialized tool. Think of yourself as a carpenter. You have a whole toolbox, right? You know, mm-hmm. like you just don't have a hammer and hammer everything. You have all kinds of tools. And Matic like that could be a chisel, could be whatever you wanted to see it at. But the combination of all the tools is what makes it work. Now, in this case, I need to be, as a as an operator, I need to make sure that all these things interact with each other. Now, for that, what we are simply creating is a methodology programmer interface where we program and where we are able to interconnect those two. All we use for that, and we do that within the back of our mind, is it's got to be focused in a new and modern world where recurring revenue is a result of recurring impact. If we do that, and now we connect and plug Medic in, and now we say, hey, Medic is great, that by itself is not a problem, but now overlay the impact-based framework. And Band is fine, but overlay and start thinking about how we would do impact and so on. And when you overlay everything, you can connect everything. And And for me, that is the key. And the simplest form is, you know, like handing it off to a customer success rep for the onboarding process.
0: Interesting. And so when you talk about that overlay, right, how can companies start to move towards that? Because it really does feel in so many places like people feel they have to choose, right? They're like, eat, like everything's kind of either or versus that true blend and that overlay. Like if, you know, a VP is listening and says, so like, okay, I'm liking this, I like where's this is going? How do they start to overlay impact into
1: each of those stages? Okay, I'm gonna to talk to you about something tricky. Hey!
0: And all my jams. Okay. Let, let me clear my throat and it's tricky. Like, what? Like, Jesus, dude, these are all my jams right now. Oh, oh you, I
1: got more for you. Okay. Okay, okay. okay. That's what I said. What do I got on the board today when we start? Now, here, here's what I want to talk about. Think about the following there is a third shift that is happening you know like the shift is away from the funnel the shift is towards impact and the third shift that 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 is happening is we have historically deployed uh managers to manage oh my god did he just say that yes we deployed managers to become managers oh no oh no oh no 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 no, no. okay here's why this is wrong okay so many people when they become managers their thought is, I love to manage because I love to manage my people and help them get better. in generally, whenever you have grown up in any world, whether it's the the, the prefect in school, whatever you did, when you moved up as and stood out from everybody, your general idea was to pass on your knowledge and to help other people succeed as well. That's generally the nature. We even call that leader, right? But that's not what we do as managers. Uh, as managers, we have become to criticize volumetric measure and tell people they need to work harder. It's more like cracking the whip. You know, like it's more like back to the factory, standing with a desk that overlooks everybody and, and so we can physically call out who's not working. It's like looking at people's slack light to see if they're green or red, whether they're at the desk or not. That's managing nowadays. That's not what we became managers for. And so many cases... And I remember, you know, like a a client of mine named Andrew, who said, you know, when I became a manager, I became it to help people get better. But every day that I become a manager, there's a new forecast I need to deliver. There's a new number I need to do. There's a new report I need to write. There's new this, new that. And it's taking away from me coaching my folks. And this is where we're at today. We are today at that the manager's responsibility primarily is that towards management. And not towards their people. Mm -hmm. As a result, what we see, and that's, you know, applying if we see even medic, medic is being used not to help people sell in the field. Medic is used wrongfully. I'm not, you know, I'm not, this is not medic's problem in itself. Medic is used as a deal inspection tool to verify if people have done their job. It's a micromanagement tool. And as a result, people will start hating Matic. Not the problem of Matic, people. It's just the problem of how you apply the hammer. If you apply the hammer and start people hitting people on the fingers instead of on the nails, they're gonna pull their hand back and say, I don't wanna work with that any longer. What we need, are, and as a result, what has happened because of this, people in the field don't know exactly what to do. How do I, you know, like D and letter, decision process. Oh, determine the decision process. Yes, but how? What is the framework for that? Give me an example. Like another example that is unique every time, give me a standard framework I can think about, what we call a blueprint. None of that existed in the past. Mm -hmm. And if things don't exist and they don't have them, guess what these people are going to do in the field? Whatever they think is right. They think is right. They're going to hack it. Mm -hmm. right? And then what we see is, oh my gosh, Jerry is a scrapper. Look how good he does. He figures it out all by himself. Wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful if you try to get to $1 million. It's not right. wonderful if you're trying to get to $100 million because scrappers are great in order to cut the path. They're unique, we need them. But all this sales hacking essentially results in that everybody in the field has their own way of doing things. Those are called habits. Mm-hmm. And habits are starting to form a process. Now think about that. We have the wrong funnel. We're not really focused. We're teaching people to close maniacally focus on closing deal. And we give them war sports like terminology and it says, go get them, and then we throw money at them if they do it right. Voila, ladies and gentlemen, voila. Sounds like is- a great recipe. Sounds like have- a great recipe. <laughs> <laughs> this is a gra- this is yeah. gonna work out great, people. Not to worry. We're gonna work out great. Yeah. Now SaaS changed all that. And mm-hmm. thankfully, SaaS did not only change the model, it also changed the cultural nature of the salespeople who were selling it and the marketing people. And so we have, a, you know, you and I and, and the folks listening have a, have a chance here to start anew, leverage the knowledge that we have gained and build a new world for ourselves.
0: And I think that's huge. I even talk about this with my managers a lot is there's a lot of, you know, the old way of managing is telling people what to do. Here's what to do. What is more revenue? We need more revenue, y'all. Go get it. And then people thought they were getting really philosophical. It's like, but you got to tie the why to it. Okay, here's what we need. More revenue. Why? Because we're going to go public or because we have to report to the board. But then this, this mysterious thing at the bottom called the how. Always just gets overlooked. It's like, well, how are we actually going to get more revenue? What are the baseline things underneath the type of customers we're going after? The metrics leading to it, and going through all that. And I think that I still, I still remember. I think this was Rainmaker, God, maybe seven years ago now. By the way, the first one, and you were on stage, and you started like walking through the different metrics at each part and how they tie back to like a strategy. I was like, this, this, yes. They're like I'm like looking around at everybody. I'm like, why are you not crying from joy right now? Because I'm crying from joy. This gets me excited. And so when you think about managers coaching and working with the how, how, right? This is the next question. Right? How do they walk that line between, you know, working on a how, but also that micro where it does come across as like, you know, my way or the highway, right? Like how can they kind of blend that together?
1: So it comes from a very basic, yeah, you know, like uh, uh, research, and it's it's currently used a lot. And it, I encourage people to listen to look this up. It's uh, um, it's it's research about human fallibility yeah. by James Reason of the of the I forgot the university. Um, it will pop up in a second. But Maybe. James Reason is, is has done a research on human fallibility, and what he pointed out is that in many cases we when we see human failure, it is not the result of humans failing. It's the result of systemic errors that have caused the human to fail, then this has resulted in what they call uh, the Swiss cheese model, where you say like, hey, there's a number of things that need to go wrong before things really go wrong. It's like three mistakes in a row will really lead to a mistake, it's not one, right? And, um, and we see this all around us uh, that constantly happen. Now, What he also says in here, and what we found historically over the year, test we we found a way how you can test yourself to see if you've been raised right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you and the audience listening to do two things. Okay. I'm gonna ask two questions and then I want you to answer that in your mind. Okay. If I'm if I need to double my sales, if my CEO comes to me and says, Tell me what you need but I need you to double your sales. What do you need from me? That's question number one, right? Question number two, things are going really well, really well. What is your first action? What are you going to do more of? I want to do this, when I get the money, my CEO says, oh, you've done extremely well. Here's more money, go spend it. What as a sales leader do you do? Now, in most circumstances, when you ask this a person and when you give them some time to think about it question number one if i need twice if i need to deliver twice as much revenue i'm going to ask of my marketing department twice as many leads and i'm going to ask of my boss whatever ceo twice as many salespeople. You want twice as much? Give me twice as many leads, give me twice as many people to work on, and I can do it. Okay, give me 1.7 times as many people because we are becoming more effective. But your first gut reaction is, hey, in order to funnel, in order to get twice as much at the bottom, I need to get twice as much at the top, right? Well, that's not the case. Because what we notice is that essentially, since the way how revenue engines works, they propagate and there's a conversion rate, and conversion rates multiply. And when we start creating conversion rates and multiplications, we essentially create an exponential curve, not a linear curve, multiple times. Now, what we can say with an exponential curve is small adjustment all across will have a disproportionate amount of impact. So, as Bruce Lee once said... (laughs) Do you, who do you fear? Do you fear uh, the most? And he said, I do not fear the person who trained for 10,000 steps. I fear the person who who trained for one particular kick 10,000 times. That is the concept of, and now we've all seen before this model. More leads, I need more leads. I need more leads, I need 2,000 leads, 1,000 leads. That's number one question. Number two question, if things go well and your first response is, hey, I need to hire more people. Give me more money. I'm going to hire more people. Then you essentially have, in today's world, been brainwashed by your environment, which is very normal. I was part of that crew too. Very normal. You've been brainwashed in understanding if things go right, blame the people. Sorry, if things go right, hire people. And if things go wrong, blame the people. That is essentially not the case. Human beings have an influence. When you early on, early on, you know, key people can make a huge difference, but once you are surpassing five, six million dollars in revenue, your systems and processes start to take over and no longer is it depend- can it be dependent on a single person. There's simply too much growth needed mm-hmm. in order to sustain that.
0: Yeah. And I think you talked about that in the, the science of selling, like the superstar culture, where like, that's how a lot of companies get initially built. And so then they're always searching for these superstars. Right. And they model their quotas, their conversion rates, everything off of like how a superstar performs versus how normal people perform in that. Right. And I, I hope people caught what you were saying around like the small changes in multiple places is what gives you the exponential. Right. The, the idea of putting more leads in is that linear thinking, more leads at the top, more sales at the bottom. It's linear versus if I could convert the leads four percent better, get my show rate up five percent close them five percent higher and bring the acv up three percent all of a sudden with the same amount of leads we talked about this even internally here we have two themes that we talk about a lot less but better and aim small miss small right aim small miss small don't don't aim at 30 opportunities aim at three conversations a day like aim small, miss small, right? And so that it's stacked up over over time. So like talk just a little bit more on the linear versus exponential, because like that's something that I don't think people grasp enough that has huge, huge implications.
1: So think of the following. What is if if I have a, you know, like if if there's a 60-day, 90-day sales cycle of something, a platform sales or something like that, what is the premier way? What is the the primary way? Sorry, what is the primary way? of me communicating with the customer. Which tool do I use to communicate with the customers to get them from day zero to day 60, 90 when they uh, assign a mutual commitment?
0: Um, I think mostly just email, right? Email, email is
1: one, and what else? Uh, email is fine, email is a great yeah. one, and beyond email.
0: Email, phone, um, I know some companies do use like tools for the mutual action plans or Slack even like that's something I think is happening more often or like getting a Slack channel with the customers. Slack channel is So, but we know
1: if you have different, may I ask meetings, you have all, we have Zoom sessions. Okay, Zoom, yep. okay. Right now. Now, so this communication, if we go back down to it, there's essentially like three or four basic ways of communicating email, phone call, which is, you know, like one-on-one calling <laughs> and, um, uh, meetings. Online meetings, right? Those are the three. Now, those three go across the entire uh, uh, cycle. May I ask uh, how how long was your class on emailing when you when you became a professional? I'm certain that you went through an emailing class, what to do and how to write professional email. Or did you? I don't know. were, were you? No. Oh. KD, you didn't go to email class. Oh, okay. Um, not, well, but that, let's forget that we have primarily meetings, right? So you must have gone through a professional meeting class then, right? You did that, right, KD? Uh, no. No. Okay. So you, okay. So here we are. The things that are most common, the fundamental basic things. This is, you know, having been raised as a boxer, this is like, you know, like, I've been raised as a boxer, and one of the things as a boxer, I was taught to not drop your hands. Like, you would always be in position. Like, And if you, anytime, you, when the moment class started to the moment class ended, hands up. And anytime they drop, 10 pushups, right? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and this was like, you could rat each other out, right? And not ratting. We could, because we you know, like, look, hands up, hands up, right? That's a basic skill, but we're not teaching that in sales at all. So mm-hmm. we essentially, somewhere along the line, you get some advanced skills, but none of this is properly trained, not in context. So where right. do you, may I ask, where would you do, where would you go to get this knowledge? If you wanted to make yourself better, where would you go historically to get this knowledge? Ooh,
0: historically, where would I go? I would, well, when I'd talk to other reps, right? I'd say like who on the team is doing something. I'd learn, try to learn from them. Um, you know, there's conferences, but like I mean I, I know how I did it, right It was books like just reading and reading and reading on you know email copy and copywriting, but there's not a lot of great places for it out there not a lot of great
1: and, and many of them are a form of fake news, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and so you now go to sources that are non-certified. And so now we're all, and, and as a result, we're gonna get cold calling techniques, cold emailing techniques. And we don't know, is that in context of my marketer? Now what I like, I like what you did, is you're gonna to ask to the team. And so if that doesn't exist, then let the team get better. Let's test this out. Let's work together. Let's learn from each other, right? Now, this is historically not how it worked because in most cases, we have to understand that sales historically and fundamentally in its root still today is an individual contributor role. Mm -hmm. Com plans have a 90% compensation approach of individual performance. The way it works is that if somebody hits quota, the numbers are set in such a way that you're essentially stealing money out of your peers' pocket. Money is allocated to the one who hits quota away from the one who's not. That means, that is not incentivizing team behavior. That is essentially incentivizing you know, like one, one person wins. Individual contributor, comp plans, the way we structure, the way we uh, provide president's club, all right. that. Individual approaches. I just want you to understand and open the eyes wide open for everybody as a person who's been raised in the 80s and 90s way of selling it's still the same. They're still using very much the same comp plans and quota structure and region assignments. And you sit there, you go like, are you guys all, are you kidding me, right? Are you like, Mm -hmm. am I the only one who's seeing this, okay?
0: Oh man, no, and it's tr- it's funny because obviously too, and this might be this is actually a great segue to the next question because that's all about the next episode of where sales is going. So I can pull that together. But what I think is so interesting is you ask people if sales has changed, and people are like, well, you know, sales hasn't changed, but the buyer has, right? You know, because the buyer has more access to information, the buyer has these things. It's like, well, why aren't we changing? <laughs> like, you're right, we're still doing things the same way. They didn't like us 10 years ago. They didn't like us 20 years ago. Let's keep doing the same thing, right? Oh, quota attainment's coming down. Let's keep doing the same thing. So what is that next episode? Like, you know, we've kind of talked about how we've talked recurring impact. Like, what is that next episode? What is the next evolution that you'd see sales needing to get to? right? It's going to take us a while to get there. But if you think about that next episode, that la-di-da-di-da
1: for sales, what's it's, next? It's you, the listener. It's you. Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hit you know, I need to explain this first. First
0: things first, I'ma say all the words inside my head. I'm
1: tired up and tired of the way the things have been. Oh ooh, the yeah. way the things Okay. Now, first things first, we're using music. Okay, we got like why is it that I have to have a collared shirt, ax, cufflinks, or, like what, what is that image of the ideal sales professional that we see, okay? So I want you to understand, if we're gonna redefine which we are today, I mean, we're in the middle of an evolution and dependent on what your scale of time is, we're in the middle of a revolution. I'm gonna point out to you the problem that is occurring and why you, the listener of this podcast, needs to step up, okay? Here's what's happening. When I was cold calling originally, I was sitting in a floor with 20 other cold callers. And when the client didn't like that I was calling them, they would hit and, you know, add us to the do not call list, right? And the national registry of do not call list would then recognize it and would allow us no longer to call that person. The DNC flag would be set, right? Violation of that protocol could be in the tens of thousands of dollars. I'm talking to, you know, like it's easily is a 40 to $50,000 fee or penalty for failure on that, right? That's the value of it, okay? Then I started emailing. Now with emailing, you know, we have companies like SendGrid and the like that are protecting the people from professional cold emailers and say like, hey, again, you can raise the DNC flag in the email domain right now many were able to circumvent that you know we had auto- email automation tools that you know like created the volume of email traffic 10x 100x per provider so my even my inbox is overflowing you know what tools like superhuman allowed me to counteract and now in superhuman i can not only flag an individual kd oh, i can flag an entire domain Okay. Now, if I fly an entire, entire domain in UKD, do work at Sugar Pop and I, you know, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Where do you work again?
0: Patient Pop. It was close. Patient sugar pop. Pop's close. I like Sugar Pop. That works. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you were at Patient Pop. And at Patient Pop, right, if I block that and you go to the next job, you don't carry that weight with you. Oh, but now we bring in LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to reach out through LinkedIn. Now, when we reach out through LinkedIn, you as an individual sales rep are calling on that customer. And guess what? When you get you know, like blocked, flagged, it is no longer the company who takes the hit on that, who previously had to pay $40,000 in fines on in, for a via, single violation. No, it's you. It's you who takes the hit on it. Of course, you can circumvent that. And I know what you're saying, Jocko. I have a, you know, my company pays for my LinkedIn subscription to Sales Navigator. Yes. But you, you know, how many times a day do you know whether you're in Sales Navigator or in, or in the regular uh, LinkedIn mm-hmm. version? How many of you do get it paid? And how many of you are actually using it to the full extent that is needed? Have you said everything? If you look out at that, the outcome is nine out of 10 sales professionals are using LinkedIn to do forms of cold calling. They get a hit on their career. When they move to the next job, they do it again. They do it again. You do it three times. Folks, it's costing you a career in sales. That's the problem. And nobody, this is, a, this tells you, it is you, the individual in the world of sales that makes a difference. We called it the individual contributor. We want to change. We have to, we have. You know what is that? That you know we have to play the odds on the cast. We have to change the odds. We have to start card okay. counting, and we have to say, "Okay, now you see this behavior, Katie, already happening all around us." Okay, why? I told you about the new tool, Superhuman. Now, Superhuman does not get paid for by my company. I pay for it myself. Many of you will start to are starting to see that you are actually buying your own tool stack. You no okay. longer are reliant exclusively of the tool stack of the company. So what you'll see is the evolution has already started. I want to just depict to you what the next chapter looks like in the future. I believe that sales, marketing, and customer success functions are ideal jobs to be Uberized, are ideal jobs where you go in. Look, at which point in time are you an employee versus a consultant? If you work four years for a company, I, you know, let's call, it an, call you an employee. Three years, employee. Two years, what do you mean two years? Well, after two years, you're gonna get fired. Well, SDRs and AEs are getting fired, are changing their routes in nine to 18 months. Folks, you already are a consultant. They just give you the, the, the fakeness of a contract to make you believe that you're an employee, but essentially you're already a consultant. So you might as well start acting and operating and behaving like it. And when you do that, folks, as you know, Katie, van life all the way it's my life it's like okay now i'm going to design the way that i'm going to buy the tools i want i'm going to live the life i want i'm going to train myself i you know if you want me to be an individual contributor then i'll be an individual contributor for you here's the things i need to be successful and then in that approach we start thinking differently we no longer start to listen to these fake you know like whatever they are on stage whatever we call them we look at math science we understand what is happening and we simply calculate things and, and see if they make sense or not mm-hmm. and sometimes in certain circumstances a few but in certain cold calling and cold emailing absolutely makes sense most of the cases it will backfire on you and give you back results always saying is in which situation are you Calculate it. make sure you know what you're in for and uh, before you are trusting somebody else's opinion who, whose knowledge themselves is a decade old and therefore no longer applicable in today's world
0: yes and this man we can try this all the way back to how he opened this y'all is that's where formulas and blueprints come in because they're repeatable they're frameworks yes you have to tweak them yes you have to make them differently for the situation the company the persona the prospect but they're repeatable that's what allows you to go and Pick the companies you want to work for. And once you have those skill sets and frameworks, right, as a consultant, you can go, yeah, you don't have to pay me a base. I know how to do this. I'll, I'll go get you. I'll, I'll, I'll go pay me what I bring in or pay me for what generates from it because I have the skill set there. And like those formulas are everything versus having to relearn every single time a new way to sell.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, again, like, like, imagine what we can now do. We can now live where we want to live. We can work where we want to work and no longer as wealth have to be located in specifically the business of SaaS in, you know, Boston slash New York and, and the West Coast, right? You know, like, uh, with internet connectivity, uh, you know, across the US, you know, like we can bring that same wealth into all. I mean, there's just a better future for, for When you start, you know, like showing where this is, you don't need a university degree. You don't need to have loans. You can start thinking about, it. I'm not against a university degree. I think that it's, you know, like if, uh, you know, if you're trained in a specific field, you may very well apply that to the area of field that you're selling into, right? That, that works very well. I'm just saying is it's not a requirement. Um, there's other ways of learning that's that suits the current market better and i believe this is where we're 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 growing to and look i was raised in a culture that was very alpha-like and i may rather say i was doing um uh, telco sales which is very alpha male-like and has very bad uh, you know like it's very you know, all the things bad that you can see are were happening in those days in the 90s um and um I wasn't proud of it. I was part of it. I wasn't proud of it. And so it, it, it was not created on my watch, but as I was partaking in that, you know, like I decided this is, this is not right, you know, right. and to see people on stage talk about this and, and, and then give these great, you know, like, like movie scene talks and stuff like that. You know, folks, it wasn't right. It, 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 and you know what? I'll tell you the following. And we run into this a lot. And this is a painful topic. So, you know, like, uh, recently one of my most valued members of staff came to a, a thing, and we were just talking about somebody and, and, and she said to me, well, that's the reason why I bring my male colleague's name uh, to a meeting with, with, with me, because otherwise uh, the team on the other side won't listen to me. What, what, what is that really what she said? She said she needed to bring in he to the team because the buyer who is all male otherwise don't respect her opinion that's what she's saying now you know what the other side side is saying um i don't trust the organization i don't trust them i don't i don't know who they are you know and i is is are f bombs allowed on this series absolutely
0: they are absolutely okay. <laughs>
1: Okay, you know what these motherfuckers are saying, what they say, what they don't say, they trust you. They say, you don't look like me. That's the reason why I don't trust you. And then we can pick whatever you want to do, whatever you're not uncomfortable with. We are using trust and the word trust as a discrimination tool. Mm -hmm. That's what it really is. In the end, sales professionals are here to solve a problem. You should be valued on your ability to understand the problem, your control and knowledge of the domain, and to fit a solution in that, that's it. And whether you have tattoos that are coming out underneath your blouse, whatever it is, color of your eyes, length of your hair, I don't care. It is not meaningful. That's the world that I was raised in. Mm -hmm. That's the world that we, all of us listening, have to end. And I don't think we're going to end that by continuing to talk about funnel. We need more leads, hire salespeople, put them on quota, talk war terminology in the process, right? That's not how we're going to change this. We need to understand that among all the roles, this role is a pivotal role and can be one of the first roles in the world that is built towards a new world with a newer and brighter. And that is what excites me every day.
0: And I And I love that. And I can tell a personal story there. That's why I got into inside sales, because I had some of those experiences in the field. All Over the phone, I can be anybody. I can be anybody. My name's Kevin Dorsey. You know nothing about me. I can change my voice. I could be whoever. I wanted after having some of those experiences and those are things that you know as we continue to go that I do hope change is the buyer changes as you put out this and people listen and they say this isn't right we're not going to behave that way anymore as we continue this evolution and revolution because I love that term as well depending on where we are in the, the timeline so I got one last question for you here so it. though right and it's a kind of the perfect way to end this right because you started talking about life design a little bit right and just, actually funny story for people listening at one point, this was a few weeks ago, Jocko and I are texting each other. He's in his van. I'm in Costa Rica. We're both working at the same time, but we're wherever we needed to be to work, right? And like being able to start to design that lifestyle. The name of this podcast is Live Better, Sell Better because I have this weird idea that if we lived Better if we did the things that brought us more energy besides 40 Red Bulls, if we did the things that brought us more joy and fulfillment, that the sales also improved from it. What would be your live better advice to people listening?
1: Okay, there's a number of small things So bring up. Be yourself, number one thing, be yourself. Like, you know, like some of you may not like the music I play, I, you know, like, and that is that, that's be yourself. Don't like this, may not be the podcast that you wanted, right? Um, I love playing music. It changed my mood. I already had music going when Katie and I started yep. this morning. Like, I'm already up. Let's play the music. Let's go. No, like, whatever gets you going, but be yourself and then be okay, obviously, with other people not being like that. Hey, that's fine too. That's perfectly fine. Um, So that's important for me. Second one is that, you know, like, mensana e coporosano is a Latin saying that say, a sound mind in a sound body. Uh, make sure uh, that you know, like one of the common advices you always hear is that people say, as they get older, I wish I took better care of my teeth when I was younger, and that applies actually to health. You can expand that mm-hmm. to health, so that's very important one for me um, the most important one, you know, like as it relates to like 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 work i I can't separate work and life
0: yeah
1: <laughs> and and you know people say, you need to do this or do that, you know you need to have a life, you need to have this. For me, it's the same thing, right. and and you know, like, I, and I, it doesn't mean that I. There are days that I work two hours, and there are days that I'm up at two a.m. and I work sixteen hours, right? That you know, like I, I, yeah. So yeah, so I find these 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 situations, you know, like that we are living in, are are no longer challenging for me because I have nowadays the financial power in order to do what I want to do. I'm obviously very conscious that some, yeah, many of you have to rent to pay and, and, and your kids to feed and, and, and responsibilities to adhere to. Um, I can tell you this, and this is the biggest one that I, I still live in. Up to a hundred thousand dollars, more money is great. But right out somewhere between 100 and 150, I can tell it to you now. You will tell it, adjust it with inflation rate later on after 150. It is not how much you make. It's how much you get to keep. And that we focus so much on making it that we often forget what it takes to keep. So those are a few things. Take care of your teeth. (laughs) You know, like, you know, know, get to 150 as fast as you can. And then beyond 150, start thinking about how you get to keep what actually you make. Um, a few things and make sure, you know, like for me is realize be true to yourself. And, Mm -hmm. and that means that I cannot separate work and, and life. Um, And that sometimes I, it's bad and sometimes it's good.
0: And, and I love that. because even the term work-life balance, I really don't like, because it makes it sound like they're on different ends of a teeter-totter. Like yeah. it's a circle. <laughs> it's not on other ends. Like you, it's work-life integration. Like it's really hard to be great at work if home life is awful. And it's really hard to be great at home if work life is awful. Like it all goes together, and I think that integration is what people miss. It it can be, and you can't have fun doing what you do. Like you can't have fun doing this, especially when you allow yourself to be yourself. When you try to be someone you're not, it's almost impossible to really enjoy what you're doing.
1: Now, I'll ask you as a as as as, as a person, but I ask all of you listening. What is the key takeaway? Think about it for a brief second. What is the key takeaway? And then let KD, up to you. When, you. when you picked up, what is the moment in time that you know, like a light bulb went off or something got re-triggered and you go like, dang it. What was the thing? What's the moment?
0: The, the human uh, fallibility session, right? I've really loved the concept of it's not one mistake. It's three mistakes that led to the mistake, right? That three to the, I really, like, it has me thinking, like, where are the places that there's small mistakes leading to what would be caused, like, oh, this went wrong. That isn't probably what went wrong. Something went wrong down the line somewhere. And so that, that was the the one that
1: jumped at me the most. Great. I, you know, like I, I think that's a, a great key takeaway. I think all of you will, you know, figure out which one you have. And all I'm asking you is, you know, like whatever your key takeaway is, take an action on that. And if you do that with every meeting, whether it is, um and, and and you know like whether you are participating as a listener or whether you're participating but just one, one key thing oh you know like let me look up that book by James Reason or this is a pdf actually James Reason on human fallibility don't go for the paid version there's a a, a free version out there available online i'm certain that all of us can search for it and have lots of fun doing that human fallibility James Reason, um, and and you know like and you they're, they're, yeah again don't take the don't use the paid version. There's a there's a free one that shows up in the top ten result, which is of him directly. Now that's a key takeaway. Take an action on something you picked up on, and it doesn't always have to be groundbreaking. Could be simple, you know, a simple yeah. thing. Um, but then, then when you do that, you you eventually uh, you'll start stacking those up, and that starts to compound very quickly.
0: And speaking of free content, where can people go get more of you and what you put out there? Because I'm telling you, what he puts out for free, like they're like they're university level style courses, like, and like YouTube videos are an hour long and I'm sitting there on a Friday night with a bourbon, just like loving every second. Where can they go get more of you, your team winning by design? Like how can they get more of what you're putting out there?
1: Yes, well, uh, obviously feel free to reach out via LinkedIn, Jocko, J A C C O Vanderkoy, V-A-N-D-E R K O I J. Feel free. Uh, please make a mention in a quote, uh, in a quote, like, hey, listen to you, because otherwise um, so that, then I I know to accept. And then so that's one. Second, YouTube, youtube.com slash winning by design. Hundreds of videos, um, sometimes long, sometimes short, but you know, whatever I feel, um, uh, is a, is a topic, but it's more from an, yeah, like a, from a perspective, from a, from a writer perspective. And then we have a website where you can sign up and sign up for the free model and get all your, um, yeah, start applying it yourself. And that is called The Science of Revenue with the word the starting it, thescienceofrevenue.com. If you go there, you see all the models and the blueprints and stuff like that. You can sign up, you get them all for free. Now, what I would love for you, uh, KD, is, you know, like, you know, like you lead such, you know, you lead such a great, Group, you have such a community that, that surrounds mm-hmm. you. How it was hard for us to get together, right? Yes. You did, yes, you, it was. You can, yeah, I, I want to let you know why it is important that you do what you do and why it is important that people think about this. The, 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 the story here is as follows there are too many people with voices that shouldn't be amplified. And so the noise level is extremely noisy. And, you know, like any people, any person that wakes up and needs to report to the morning that they just had an epiphany overnight, that is not necessarily a great side of content, right? Maybe it's a great side of entertainment. Today, we do not differentiate very much between, you know, like what is like, hey, great entertainment and Mm -hmm. great knowledge I need in order to do my job. And so for you, for me, you are one of the certified people that I I go like, yes, hits the nail on the head. Yes, makes the right emotional statements and the right lead. And so for those of you listening, be cautious to what you hear. Many of, I've been asked many times, you know, like who is the one person that influenced you most? What is the one book that you read? Folks, I don't read books because most of the books are propaganda. Knowing how books are written and having written many of them, I can tell you the model behind books is: hey, get one topic, milk it out for a minimum of 140 pages, up to about 250 pages. Manipulate the front, the font size. Uh, there's a very specific for, formula that 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 publishers want. You step through that. That's a book. Most of it is propaganda. And the moment in time you publish it, you as a book writer working in sales for the publisher. You have to buy a certain amount. You have to commit a certain event. You have to sell it. I mean, it's like, so when people say this morning, I saw it again, it's like people who do not read books are like, should not be in charge of SaaS companies or should not be leaders of companies. Folks, most of the books are propaganda. Reading is important. Propaganda is not. Second, when you listen to people, pick the right people. You are becoming those who you are listening to. The voices that you're listening to will form and shape your ideas. Make sure that that is what you want to be. And I can absolutely stand for KD down here and understand that his intent, his mindset, his approach is all done with pure, based on very pure ethical principle, principles to help you become a better person. Make sure that you have all of those people in the bucket and make sure when you listen to that, that that's a signal channel obviously for entertainment use a noise channel but separate these two folks otherwise we start to listen to certain voices who are noise and we think that their entertainment actually is value and it is not so to me there is not a single book there is not a single voice that i listen to i listen to a lot and you know like i listen to a lot of people in the field is where my pre you know my 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 best resources are coming from and then um yeah and I listen to persons like you, Katie. I listen oh, to you. My preferred channel where I get oh, this.
0: My Thank you. so That I mean, can't even express how much that means to me and everyone listening. Jocko's who I listen to. Jocko, like that, like, and I hope y'all catch that too because I'm still learning. And if I'm still learning, y'all need to still be learning. And I know Jocko's still learning. He says he's not reading. There's some books I know he's reading right now that are really good. That I, yeah, we'll get into that on in another conversation. But my man. Thank you so much, this was amazing. I appreciate you, I'm grateful for you, thank you.
1: Okay, I have a beat for us, you ready? Yes. I'm gonna make it, because you said it was your favorite song. So, let's go! Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to us.
0: Hell yeah. And we are out.